Hello, friends, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. We were having such a great time talking to Scott Ackerman, Elan and I decided to put out a second episode with him. This episode has nothing to do with Billy Joel, but we felt the folks that like our show will be just as fascinated as we were with Scott telling us about his first time directing a movie, appearing in Austin Powers, and most of all, directing the standing president of the United States at the White House. So let's pick up where we left off on our last episode and open the show the way we usually do. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs, some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends Elon and Dave. You know, we've talked about this on your NFL show. We met on the set of Make Me Laugh. Uh, yeah, but I yes. did, did you did we do more than one episode together, or did we do? I think we only episode? did one. I did two. I did uh, but three. I, I don't think you were there. Well, I didn't live in town. I probably would have done more if I came. Right. So, um, and this is the weirdest thing, but the greatest thing. That first episode I was on, which I think you were on where I, no, I can't remember which one it was, whether it was the good one where I did make somebody laugh or the one where that puppet made fun of me. But the reason that I know. Like a puppet so should make fun of you after everything you do, just to keep you humble. Like a puppet should come on this show and it, just like totally slam <laughs> No, I hate that guy now. I'll always hate him forever. But um he, uh, they, they let me stay a week longer because they were filming a Playboy live show called night calls across the hall you mentioned this i did didn't i okay so that's the show that we must have been on then because they kept me so i could go across and meet the girls (laughs) yes so so this was at a particular studio on vine um here in hollywood and interestingly enough that is the studio where i made i think that was my first television appearance make me laugh that might have been my first tv show ever right i did three episodes of that at that particular studio. And then uh, a few years later in probably 2008, I got the opportunity to make a a sketch show pilot for Fox. And that was the studio where we filmed the sketch show. But the pertinent piece of of, uh, trivia to, to audiences today is we filmed the first Between Two Ferns there in a basement at that actual studio oh wow and then years later we ended up then having the production offices of the movie and editing the movie there as well um wow so you love that that place that studio (laughs) has a lot of memories for me um but the one that i remember the most is you being so excited to see the playboy (laughs) models (laughs) can you blame me i mean it was and it was so funny scott when i went over there and I don't know why you guys didn't come with me. Uh, you know, I, think I had anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I went over there, the guys that work there, that are there every week, they were excited they were working on that show. They're like, isn't this great? So everybody was excited as me who wanted to be there. I, f- I feel like you must have, like, I feel like I was, I, I, we did that show together and you were coming from having just done that. Oh, or that might have been what it was. I was because you were mood. like, 
you told me like, oh man, hey, I just got to do this thing. <laughs> uh, like I forget, like you had just done it earlier in the day or like the night before or whatever like that. But um, yeah, I thought it was very funny. <laughs> they knew night calls at nine in the morning. Yeah, because yeah, then I remember um, really liking you uh, a lot. And then I think maybe Sarah and I went to go see you guys perform live at... Um, you know, maybe the HBO workspace or something right, uh, right. after yeah, that. Yeah. Cause you were, I was like, this guy's great. You know, I mean, they're, you're, you're such a kind person. You're really, oh. you know, obvi- and obviously, you know how I feel about your wife as well in that sense. I, I've always been a little weirded out by that, but <laughs> I, I like her as a person. <laughs> That's weird. You should Why like is her that sexually. Weird? What is she a weirdo? <laughs> like all, my, all the rest of my friends. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I, I, you're the only person I remember doing make me laugh with, even though I did three episodes, because I think you were the only guy that I ended up talking to. But uh, your James Spader impression, I just thought you were very funny. So Uh, thank um, you. And then to get to know you personally, uh, you know, over the years. Well, uh, because there were a lot of weirdos on that show, you know, like a lot of the comics that we never hear from again uh, (laughs) performed. I I remember the audition. Um, I was so new in comedy, and maybe I mentioned this at the, on the NFL show, but I was so new. I think I'd just been doing it three months or something like that. And I went to the audition, and my my manager, uh, the aforementioned manager that I would do the Billy Joel song when I walked in, um, <laughs> got me this audition, and like me and my partner destroyed at it. And just like I, I knew that we got the show immediately, right? And so, I, and, and in fact, the producer. Um, called me over and was just then just chit-chatting about stuff. And he was like, man, you guys are the only fucking good people here. <laughs> like the rest of these yeah. guys suck so bad. <laughs> I was just like, whoa, a real, ho- a real Hollywood television producer is telling me I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so it was, it was so fun to get to do three episodes of that show because it was just like, I'm on TV. I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, Did I was you make friend- the person laugh in your episodes? Oh, that's we, a good question. You know what's interesting? Okay, so in the audition you made certain people laugh, right? And they were supposed to separate you from those people who had seen you before so that you didn't do the episodes with them. But the very first episode, I remember, because we, like I said, we destroyed at the audition. I remember the audience is all in there and they picked the people from the audience and they all knew they were going to be contestants, right? But it was like, hey, you come on down or whatever. And I remember walking into the studio and the audience was already there and hearing a big long, Oh no! From this woman who had been at our audition, oh. she was about to compete, and she was like, "Oh no, these guys are going to make me laugh." Oh right, that's a good so oh hilarious. no, right? Because she wins money if they don't make her yes. laugh. Yes, so it was a good oh no, but it was bad for us because she had already seen our bits, right? So I think that we didn't make her laugh, but she—I remember her struggling. But but I know we made some people laugh over the. Over I the made somebody laugh. I was doing my Elvis Costello. <laughs> what was your Elvis Costello again? It was just uh, I was doing the that he sang the theme to Octopussy from uh, James Bond. <laughs> Let's wrap your tentacles around me, Octopussy. <laughs> and there was some stoner kid, and he was he thought it was the greatest. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I liked that because, and I liked you doing the show because that was the kind of thing you were doing, as opposed to like. A lot of the people up there were doing their act for yeah their act worse. right. I didn't have an act and yeah, yeah. I w- and I was I didn't have to audition. I was friends with Mark, so that's how right. I yes Mark Cohen who hosted the second season of it yeah um, yeah I I don't think I think I knew Mark yeah I must have known Mark because I'd seen him around and I remember like walking out onto the stage and him looking at us going oh you're here. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like obviously Mark, I got to know through Sarah Silverman as well. Um, but uh, he yeah. might be the funniest person I know ever. I've never, yeah. I, I mean, this guy, Mark Cohen, if you don't know him, he's the he's MC so at the comedy cellar in Vegas now. And he's so funny. And yet, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's not that funny, but it's like, but it's old school, old yeah, school Milton Berle like material. And it's which, so which funny. is fresh to me because to it's me like, too. Who's doing that kind of stuff? But nobody, he's, and he's so quick about it too, and that's what makes him so great. I remember having him up um, when I was pr- uh, producing the Comedy Death Ray show here in LA, and I remember having him up just to do his song parody medley, which I don't know if you remember. But okay, Where's so he doing? would do Elon. This is uh, of interest to you as a fellow parodist. Yes, but he would do song. He did a, a ten-minute medley of song parodies, but he would only do. <laughs> one line from each song just the joke just the joke line so he wouldn't wear out the welcome you know what i mean so he would he would uh i'm trying to remember any of them but he would just do you know the one switcheroo line and then move on to another song in the i medley. feel like so he fun. recorded it for youtube recently but i don't know he would mm. be, before there was a youtube before there was the internet he was like the first guy that had this unbelievable thing that he did which was the funniest thing i may have ever seen and he was doing uh an acting school of how to talk on the phone and (laughs) and it was so brilliant and he's like yeah uh uh-huh well well no no i want to well what i want to do is i want you know like (laughs) it it was the funniest thing i've ever seen because he did it so perfectly and then because it was so new the internet no, we lost it. It can never. And he tried to redo it, and it just wasn't as good. Oh, again. so he uploaded it, didn't keep the tape or whatever, and then something like that. Yeah, on, because the first down. one yeah. was the premise and the execution was yeah. so masterful. Because who would ever think of that? There, there should, there has to be an acting class. Some people are the worst actors when they're doing <laughs> phone work with clearly nobody on the other line, and you never think about it. Yeah, I feel like. Well, no, no, I just want to sign up for the. Yes, but I. You know. <laughs> if you're if you're like a Robert De Niro or like a big passionate actor, and you have a phone scene, and you don't end the phone call by smashing the phone <laughs> against your desk or against the payphone or whatever, you know, like you're you're just not doing it right. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, De Niro's um, payphone smashing Goodfellas is the best I've ever seen. And everyone has tried to replicate it since then of like, no, I'm kidding about that. And then they like slam it on the desk and they, you know, and it's just like, it must be so thrilling on the day when someone takes it that far, but it's then becomes such a cliche. Yeah, I always forget sometimes. As a director, I would feel like going up to him and going like, okay, let's not do the cliche phone smashing thing. You know, it was was very exciting for us all to watch right now, but that was one of the questions Alon had yesterday. He was uh, wondering how you got that giant flood in uh, between between two ferns. I love that special effect in the between two ferns movie, the big flood. So man, I I have a videotape of it, not videotape of it, but a phone. (laughs) (laughs) I recorded it with my phone. Hey old man. But, um, (laughs) But okay, so you know, like I mentioned, the the first between two ferns was shot in a basement. So we've always shot them in these little tiny rooms, and um, a lot of a lot of them we would shoot in hotel rooms. Like you know, we would have to go to whatever junket that Ben Stiller was doing for a movie, and then shoot it in a hotel room in town or whatever. You know, so we we always shot them in little tiny rooms, and we all and even though the show got bigger and bigger and bigger, we always insisted on it being a little tiny room because we felt like they just worked better when. Sure. 
there's not a million people watching and it's not this giant cavern. So that's the feeling all of them have. But then we knew we wanted to do this big flood special effect, right? So <laughs> we already had rented out a giant studio where we built the entire uh, cable access station in this studio, right? Because we couldn't find a proper place that existed that would service our needs, right? So then we had to rent the adjoining studio, which is where they filmed Glow, all of Glow in. This giant, giant studio in order to pull that that flood stunt off. But then we had to, to, to build the actual setup between two ferns on this tiny, tiny, we had to like curtain it off and make it this tiny, tiny thing to replicate how tiny that's supposed to be. But we are in the most giant, like, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a football field, but it's probably the length of a football field place in order to have a big enough mechanism and a big enough slide for this water to come down in order to make it look like it's flooding this little tiny stage. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, we're filming that in a giant space. And then the special effects guys were so interesting about how they did the water because they were like, describe how you want it to fall on them. Like, describe how you want the wave to look. And so I was like drawing the wave and stuff like that. And they built a certain bump of a slide in order to achieve it being looking like a tidal wave because they they drop the water from, from way up on high at the top of the studio. It goes down a slide. And then they built a certain bump so that it would crest and go over the head of Matthew McConaughey and Zach Galifianakis um, instead of just like raining down on them. It was fast and they they nailed it. They built the perfect slide. We like tested it out and saw how it was going to go over their heads and come down on them. It was just wow. fascinating how they did it. That's so funny because you drew the specifications right out of Spinal Tap. It seems like that could have gone so wrong. That's not what I, I those weren't the measurements. I, you know, I don't, what do I know about measurements? I, I, drew, I basically drew stick figures of them and showed the cresting wave going over their heads. And they were like, yeah, all right. And then, they, That's then I went amazing. and looked at it. So then, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I have a iPhone movie capture of basically like that wave happening and then Zach you know, uh, there was way more of it that we shot where he's like swimming around in it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know you've yeah. directed before, but that's that's a lot of pressure, you know, to to oh, have yeah. a big special effect like that. You Dude, know, we, we did another special effect that was totally cut out of the movie with Adam Scott, who we've been talking about on this show, where um, the bit we had set up that we totally cut out of a subplot of the movie is, is that there are all these he's rebuilt the this is a former end of of the movie that we cut out an alternate ending but he's gone back to be on the public access station and he's rebuilt the place but he's cut a lot of corners and then you see there's this tap dancing show in the studio above them <laughs> and then you hear like tap dancing during his final interview with Adam Scott and he's like sorry about this and he's like shut up up there and then suddenly a tap dancer comes crashing through the ceiling <laughs> and demolishes the table where the button is and lands right in between Adam and, and Zach. And then they stand up and are like, whoa. And then suddenly they go crashing through the floor, right? So we had to film that in the in the same studio. Giant, and it was giant. I mean, it was, it was this thing where like both Zach and Adam had to go plunging through the floor and land on a safety mat and all this kind of stuff. Ooh. And it was another one of those like, wow, I'm really making a real movie here. Yeah. I mean, this is like giant special yeah. effects and people can get hurt or whatever. Um, it was very safe, but um, and everyone did an incredible job. But I mean, stuff like that where you're like, 
you know, just filming Zach and two of the other people coming, crashing down a hallway where, with water. I mean, they they had to rebuild that hallway. It was a mock replica, and they had to rebuild that. And then we had to go to a separate pool to do all the underwater stuff. You know, I mean, just stuff like that is so... When you're watching it, you just kind of aren't thinking about it, hopefully. But it's... It, as someone who grew up loving TV and movies and stuff like that, it's just fascinating to like put all of these pieces together and travel from one studio in order to get this one piece and go to another studio to get another piece. And yeah, anyway, it was, it was you thrilling know, to me. What I love about it also is the attention to detail. Cause you have like Lauren Lapkus is caulking all of the windows and doors beforehand <laughs> because he has to, you know, they say like, you have to make this soundproof and you're like, why does this matter? Why are they showing this? And that's why like, the water in the studio only just like completely fills it up, but it doesn't flood out until he breaks the glass. Right. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> like really, that. It, it was so hard to figure out because Zach and I basically, we knew we had to start the movie with a big bang and a big special effect and the biggest between two ferns effect that we'd ever done. And we'd done a few effects over the years of like, we did them. We did Zach crashing through the floor with Will Ferrell once, like because he was too overweight for the, for the, <laughs> For the stage and stuff. And this is like Will Ferrell, like calling him fat and screaming fat at him. And then Zach going, I'm not that fat. And then sitting down in his chair and the whole floor collapses, you know? <laughs> so we'd done like that, but we knew we had to do something really big. And so we thought water was it. And the first version of it that we were going to do, and we, we were going to shoot this in an underground pool, was water basically flooding the place and then the water rising camera level and then basically them being totally submerged he and matthew mcconaughey being totally submerged and we realized to really do like a comedic button it had to be a big huge cresting wave so that's where we started and then to like figure out the plot (laughs) going backwards of like well what makes that make sense why would a wave come in (laughs) why would why wouldn't the water just seep out the you know the the underneath the doors and all that so in order to like justify it we had to do all of that stuff. But yeah, but it was I'm important that you liked it. Like you said, you have to open big because you have to differentiate it from a television show and that it's a movie. Which yeah, is the it has most to be a thing. bigger scale. What yeah. was interesting when we are we doing a Billy Joel podcast now? Or <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, but I'm uh, sorry, I was very interested. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm what was interesting about testing the movie though was that one of the people at Netflix got it in their heads, one of the execs got it in their head that the movie shouldn't open with that and then flash back to what came before that it should all be chronological. And I was like, well, we, we did this whole huge water thing in order to hook people into the movie. I mean, that's, that's why we did it is to start it like a normal between two ferns that everyone has already seen and then do this huge thing and then widen out and it's a movie. And they were like, I just think that if it were, were to happen when it actually happens in the story, like 30 minutes in people would just really react to it really great and it would be a big big laugh and i was like i don't think so but we tested it and it scored like 20 points lawyer lower so it was like okay good i i after that i never had to entertain that thought again yeah but. that's the worst when somebody interferes that uh well you know i mean i don't mind the creative process necessarily that much it depends on who whatever, it is but depends on who it is yeah but it was that was one in particular that was a little like we did this for a very particular reason. So to try to change it is, is, was a little odd to me. That's just one person got a strange idea in their head and, was, and just said it. And then we had to like <laughs> re-edit it and test it. And mm. it was, yeah, it was nuts. Well, I mean, I guess we'll, 
wrap up because I, again, I, I don't, I know you do like four podcasts uh, a day. Yeah. I have uh, another four that I have to do right after this. So, <laughs> but I, did I guess come uh, from a, a different, a competing podcast, by the way, so, <laughs> with Wayne. Fenner, so I don't know if Alan has a closing question. Well, one of my favorite movie series is Austin Powers and you are credited as playing a young Michael Caine and gold member. Uh, how did that happen? So that happened where I got, I got an audition to play the young Michael Caine and gold member. And so, so what we had heard was, okay, Michael Caine is playing his father in gold member. And then we're going to do flashbacks to him as a young man. Um, so I worked up a Michael Caine impression. I couldn't even possibly replicate now. This is 20 years or so ago, but I remember it just the halting kind of cockney, like, Oh, I'm Michael Caine, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So I worked it up. I did the audition. You know, I think I wore glasses or something and my hair was kind of long and shaggy at the time. Right. So I went and did it. And I remember feeling like, yeah, I did that pretty well. And the, the casting director thinking I did a good job or whatever. Then I didn't hear anything about it for a long time. And then, so several months later, they called and said, hey, you got the job. It's changed a little bit. The idea has <laughs> changed a little bit. They're going to integrate old footage of Michael Caine from a, from a 60s movie, and they're going to blend it with footage of you doing it, right? So, you know, it's, it's a little different now, but I didn't have, you know, the script or sides or anything like that. But all I knew was I got the job. So I was like, okay, great. But they go, well, you got to go meet Jay and Mike Myers, right? Jay Roach. So I went out to the lot, which is a, uh, an actual studio. Um, and, uh, just went to this studio and there was Mike Myers alone with Jay Roach, like practicing the leg swapping bit, like by himself. And I walked in, they couldn't have been nicer. They were just like, Hey, you know, and, and they asked me like, we talked for 20 minutes or 25 minutes, just like chit chatting about my career and like in comedy. And they, they all knew Bob Odenkirk and we're like, Oh, you were on Mr. Show, you know? And so we talked for like 20 minutes and it was great. So then at the end they're like, well, okay, well, let's get to it. Um, do you mind turning around? And I was like, turning around? Oh. <laughs> um, what is this about? Um, so I turn around and they and they go, yeah, that's good. Yeah, okay, that can work. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they're looking at my ass? What is, what is happening? And they go, great, you got it. So I go, all right, fine. And so, so then when I get the script, I basically find that I'm the body double. Like anytime there's a close-up of Michael Caine, they're using him in 60s footage as a young man. But then to service the story that they wrote, they're using me like as a body double. So I have no lines now. And I'm just like walking around and I'm in, I remember I being in an old timey 60s car or something with a woman playing my wife and I leave to take a piss, I think. And then the car blows up and then they cut to a Michael King close up of him looking at this car blowing up, you know. And it was, I mean, it was a fun experience. The writer, I remember like coming up to me and, and Jay, both of them coming up and saying like, Hey, to make this other scene work, what would you suggest? And like asking me for like joke wow. pitches and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, cool. I felt like respected and, and all that, but it is like a, a, a weird film credit <laughs> that people go, people, they see that on my IMDb or whatever. And they go, Oh my, I don't remember. You were the young Michael Caine. What did you do? And I have to say like, essentially I'm just a body double in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, still pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. cool. It was fun. And then I got to know Jay over, I mean, I don't know Jay, but I got, I worked with him a couple of times in like writer's punch-up rooms and then got to know his wife, Susanna Hoffs, um, who was on the 
the Comedy Bang Bang podcast and the TV show. And so and she's very sweet. And anytime I see her she's in town, my favorite. she's with Jay and she's always like, Scott Ackerman. And Jay pretends to remember who I am. So, <laughs> uh, so wow. just my, my final question is uh, the most obvious one, of course, you're doing Between Two Ferns and, uh, you know, it's becoming popular. And then all of a sudden the president of the United States says he wants to be on it. I mean, uh, <laughs> did you go after him or did he come to you? Talking about Obama. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we did get a Trump call and we said absolutely not. Um, but um, yeah, that was one where, okay, so we had been trying to get Obama. We just thought it was so funny, the idea of getting Obama on the show. Yeah, it know? is really funny. And it was executed perfectly. It was brilliant. But but we'd been trying for years. and And the thing with Between Two Ferns over the years was there would be the ones that that came together so easily, like, for instance, Bruce Willis or Brad Pitt, where or Ben Stiller or, or Steve Carell, Will Ferrell, you know, Jennifer Aniston, like people that you just hear, like either they call Zach personally and go, hey, I want to do your show, or they reach out to Funny or Die or Funny or Die reaches out to them and it's just like immediate, like, yes, you know? Like, so I remember Sean Penn and, and Bruce Willis, we taped both of those on the same day back to back. And both of them were like, just messages that Zach got on his phone of like, hey, I want to do your show, right? Wow. But then the other ones were ones that we thought would be funny that we were chasing the people. And I remember Oprah being one of those where we were really going after Oprah and hearing like, no, Oprah's too busy. No, Oprah's too busy. And then suddenly you get a call one day where it's like, if you want to do Oprah, it's going to happen this weekend because she's doing a big comedy episode of her show and she wants to do Between Two Ferns as part of it. Wow. And you need to go up to her house in Montecito, her mansion in Montecito, and tape it this week. Everyone cancel all your plans. And I remember Zach like was leaving town and had to rearrange his entire schedule. And like, and you get ready and you you are like writing questions for Oprah. This happened with Elton John too, I remember. Like writing questions for these people. And then suddenly, the day before you're supposed to do it, their publicist reaches out and goes, no, Oprah's not going to do this. Like, oh, no that's... one had checked. No one had ever checked with Oprah, right? Oh. This was just like a, an underling's great idea. Like one of her television show producers gets this idea of like, oh, we, Between Two Ferns is really popular. You're going to do a comedy episode. Let's do this. And they, all, they set it all up. And then finally it goes up the chain to Oprah. And Oprah goes, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and rightfully so. so I was so, going to say, I don't remember seeing her on the show. Yeah, so that happened quite a few times with various people over the years. I only mention Oprah because she's the most famous and this will never get back to her, <laughs> you know, but I usually don't talk about like stuff that didn't happen. I'd normally talk about stuff that did. It's not happen, even her but... fault, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, so, so so we were trying similarly with Obama over the years. Um I remember when when he was in 2012 when he was up for re-election. Because when did we do our Between Two Friends Women? 2014, I think. Um, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so in 2012, when he was up for re-election, we thought, okay, this is the time. This is when he's going to do it because he has something he's trying to promote, which is <laughs> to elect him as president of the United right. States. We we were close then, and his people finally said, no, he's going to do a Reddit Q&A instead. <laughs> and we were like, how are those two things like? Why is that the choice? That's like Billy Joel's choice of Vienna or or Highland Falls. Falls. Yeah, you know, it's like why why are 
like I because they're both on the internet, I guess. Like he could yeah. only do one internet thing and, and he chose a Reddit QA instead. So we were like, okay, well, I guess it's not gonna happen. So then in 2014, I'm in the middle of doing the Comedy Bang Bang television show. I'm in the middle of filming. And filming's very intense, and that schedule's very hard, and booking the show is very, very difficult. Um, because it's all at the whim of of celebrity availability, right? So that schedule is very difficult to put together. But in the middle of filming, we suddenly get a panicked call from Mike Farah at Funny or Die saying, guys, the Obama thing, if it's going to happen, it's happening this weekend. We're like, really? And yes, he wants to promote this uh, Affordable Care Act. And um, we, we've convinced him. Um, Bradley Cooper called him and said, you should go on Between Two Ferns. Wow. Um, it would be very cool for you to do, and people would would notice it. And so he's interested, and we've heard this all before from Oprah. You know, he's interested. Oh, we've heard Oprah's interested, and then suddenly she hears about it for the first time. So we're we're going like he has not been told about this. He has not been told about this. But we're playing along, like oh okay, sure. He's going to be in Palm Springs this weekend. Get it ready because we're gonna we're we're gonna do this. So you need to start your prep now. The prep for that show. Normally for Zach and I is just we write down funny questions and then we improv it, right? But they say that's not going to be good for doing it with the president of the United States. It needs <laughs> right. to be a little more planned out than that. They so hate they that. say they say they want a script. And we're like, well, I'd prefer to just like improv it for the feeling. And they're like, no, not not with the president. It's got to be a script. So we start writing the script. We're going to tape on the weekend, so that's okay for my comedy bang bang schedule because um, we tape Monday through Friday. So doing something on, on the weekend is okay. It ends up not happening. And they're like, oh, he got too big. You know, or so, something happened in the world, I remember, that they were like, oh, he had to he leave. killed Bin Laden. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. They secretly killed Bin Laden and then <laughs> did a public killing of him two months later. No, um, I forget what happened in the world, but they're like, no, this is not going to happen at Palm Springs. But hey, what do, you, what do you think about going to Washington and doing it at the White House? Now, for me, this is a much harder ask for just for my personal schedule, because I'm in the middle of a very, very tight comedy bang bang TV schedule. And I remember going like, well, when, when can I do this? Lizzie Kaplan is scheduled this day. And, you know, and, and me just talking. And, and by the way, I'm not allowed to talk about it with anyone at comedy bang bang other than our, the top line producer guy. Like he's in on the secret. Cause I go, I may have to leave town for a day and him going, no, you can't. We're in the middle of production. Like this will cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars for you to, to shift anything. And I, and I go like, it's the president. <laughs> and he's like, still, this is, you know, this is bad for our budget. So I, I, I say to the people handling this, I go, look, we can do this. If you do it on my one day off, in this particular week, which is a Monday. Can you do it on this Monday? Like me asking demands of Obama's time, right? <laughs> and they come back and go, yeah, we can do it on that Monday. Yeah, definitely. And the whole time we're like, yeah, sure. This is the Oprah situation. This is not happening. Um, we get on, we, we send the script, we do some back and forth on, on the script and his people are actually really great about um, letting us keep jokes in and, and having it be funny and stuff like that, which was surprising because they were, you know, we, we thought they were going to be really controlling. And I, I didn't want it to be this like safe anodyne thing that you see politicians doing when they normally do like a TV show, which is like safe comedy or a comedy that everyone can understand. I wanted it to have hard jokes in it, right? 
they approved the script and we couldn't believe it. And then we're flying to Washington and the whole time Zach and I are like, this is not happening. This is not happening. They haven't even cleared it with him. They like, he doesn't, he has not even heard about this. Once he hears about this, this is not happening. We get there. We we're driven to the white house. We're like, this is not happening. (laughs) Um, We, we go into the map room. Well, first, first, this was crazy. So first, like, we're allowed to go into the mess hall at the White House, which no one is allowed to go into, right? Wow. And we get to eat lunch at the mess hall with some of his staff. And so that was fun. And they're like, we go, does he know about what's happening today? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's seen the show. He loves it. And we're like, okay. Then we go to the bowling alley, the, the one Richard Nixon installed. Right. And just to pass time, the crew and everyone is there. I bowl a strike my first ball and I'm just like, I'm out. (laughs) I bowled a strike at at the White House. And then Zach and I hang out in the map room and we're we're told, you know, he's going to be here at 545 and he'll give you 45 minutes. And it's like four o'clock, right? And we're setting up the set and all that kind of stuff. And the whole time we're going like, nah, this, yeah, he's going to be here at 545. Right. This is, yeah. He he does not even know what this is. Bullshit. This is not happening. But we're acting like it. it's going to. Meanwhile, Zach, um, we're in the map room and we're, we all sit down on these chairs and the White House custodian comes in and yells at us because these are <laughs> chairs that like Abraham Lincoln sat in, right? <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> He's like, you can't sit in the chairs. <laughs> and we're like, well there, he, well, there there aren't any other chairs in the room. He's like, yes, you stand in this room. And we're like, what? <laughs> bring in other chairs. So he wouldn't bring in any other chairs. So then we were discussing what we were going to do. And then every once in a while, I would like look over and Zach's just sitting in the chair, like absentmindedly <laughs> has sat down in the chair again. I'm like, get out. And the guy would come in and go, get out of the chairs. <laughs> 545 rolls around. He doesn't show. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, something's come up. He doesn't even know this. He's, he's turned it down. And then we hear, he's 15 minutes away. And we're like, okay. 15 minutes blows through. He doesn't show. And then suddenly he just strides into the room. We have no warning whatsoever. He just strides into the room and goes, two ferns. <laughs> and we're like, motherfucker, this son of a bitch knows what the show is and he's excited to do it. Wow. Now, I find out later, he had no idea what the show was, that they put it on his schedule. He didn't know what was going on, that he's eating dinner with Michelle and his two kids and they're making small talk and and he's like, they're saying, what are you supposed to do tomorrow? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I'm supposed to do some internet thing called two ferns <laughs> and he had thought it was named two ferns and that's why he said two ferns instead of <laughs> but it sounded cooler when he said it to me because it's like two ferns i'm like this guy's hip he's calling it by its nickname and so he's like i'm supposed to do this thing two ferns and his kids are like oh my god daddy you gotta do that it's so oh. funny and that's the reason like why it sealed the deal because he could have backed out at any point but his kids really like that it. happens a lot a yeah. lot of stories like that with the kids. So, so yeah. So he he ended up doing it, and then then we ended up going to the White House later. My wife and I, and and Adam Scott happened to be there. Um, but it was anyone who just like uh, the Hollywood Bowl thing again. Yeah, Adam yeah, Scott well, happened to be there. Why is that always the case? <laughs> we didn't That's even the know that he was going to be. Honestly, I'm tight with him. I didn't even know he was going to be there. So yeah, I know, it was but... like we walk in and he's there, and it's like, oh hey, man. the exact same Hollywood Bowl scenario. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> But um, it, I mean, it was great because they they 
credit it for turning around the Affordable Care Act and for making it be a success because before then it was failing and no one was signing up for it. And after that, they saw the signups for it just skyrocket. Wow. And so it, it it's it's crazy to be tangentially or even directly involved in something that affected history wow. in that way. Like it's it it literally is the thing that saved this huge political thing that has made tons of people's lives better. And even if you don't agree with that statement, um, I know I like I did because insurance, uh, health insurance in particular was like a big thing of mine where I was like, why is it so frustrating for everyone? Why, you know, people I knew had pre-existing conditions and couldn't get insurance and stuff like that. And so I was just thrilled to be a part of this thing. But aside from if you like the Affordable Care or not, Act or not, just to be part of history is crazy. I mean, it is something that would be at least mentioned in history books, <laughs> you know, as... yeah. And the, you know, the best part, part is that, partic story. that particular episode is just like any other. You know, it, it was filmed perfect. You would never know it was somewhere else. I mean, it was, uh, you know, just done like any other person. And that's yeah. what made it so great. We, we really wanted it to be just as funny as the and we were ready to walk at any time. And that's that's the other part is is we were like, this can't be just safe political comedy we got to make it really funny if it's not funny we gotta we're gonna bail and to to really feel that kind of principled about your art i think you sort of have to be even at the highest level you know yeah. what i mean and yeah. and it's it's one of those things where it's like yes we will turn down the president of the united states if this doesn't meet our standards it seems insane to do but we just didn't we didn't want to put out a shitty episode of that show and have, I mean, we've put out shitty episodes of that show, because, but you never <laughs> plan for it, you know, like, right. So it, it, it really was. No, that's crazy the crazy thing. thing that, you can't have it be, you know, I mean, kudos to Zach as well for, you know, that must've been very difficult to kind of stick to the plan and don't be starstruck in that sense. Well, Zach was, Zach was even like before, as as they're saying Obama's got 15 minutes away, we're in the map room, and he turns to me and goes, hey, I'm not going to do that, um, the joke about uh, congratulations on being the last black president. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to cut it. He's he's gonna he's gonna be, he's not going to like it. He's He'll be upset with that one, so I'm just going to cut it. And I was like, Zach, Zach, you cannot cut that joke. They've approved the joke. He's expecting you to say it. It'll throw him off if you don't say it, but Zach's getting like nervous about it because it's crazy. I mean, to, to say that to the president, yeah. you know, like, but that's what made it so amazing. Yeah. Did you write Obama's it. response to that joke also, or did he come up with that? Um, I mean, ev everything was sort of scripted, but then, I mean, that's another weird tangent tangent of this story was that they told me I had 45 minutes to shoot this. And I said, okay, let me know when there's 10 minutes left because we need five minutes to rig the curtain falling down to reveal that we're actually at the white house and then five minutes to shoot that stunt. Right. So I just need to know when we only have 10 minutes, I know his time is short, but we have 45 minutes. Like whenever you know, he needs to go at the 10 minute mark, let me know. Cause I'll stop everything and we'll, we'll rig that stunt. Right. So then the other thing that's happening is, is 
this guy who kind of says he's like the president's media handler or something like that comes over to me and goes, you're the director? Whatever you do, don't, don't address the president directly. Don't, don't um, talk to him. Like, go through me, and I'll tell him what he has to do. And I go, oh, well, how am I supposed to, like, direct this? And he goes, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I go, well, you know, like, what if I say, hey, we need to take that line over again? And he goes, why would the president need to take a line over again? And I go, because he didn't get it right? And the guy goes, why would the president not get it what right? The? Wow. And I go, uh, because some of the information in it was incorrect? And he goes, ah, I see. Okay, well, in that case... And so, so what I'm what I'm learning is is this is the guy who usually does his news appearances, and he's he's thinking it's going to be that he's not realizing oh. it's going to be a comedy sketch, so he's thinking like in his mind it's like oh okay I'll let the president know he got a fact incorrect right you know right. so he goes in this case motion to me that you need another take and I'll let the president know that it's okay that we should do another take and I'm like okay this is a weird situation but. What, yeah, if this is what he's used to, okay, great. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to direct this thing, but whatever. So the president comes in, and I have 45 minutes, right? And I say, let me know when there's 10 left. In the middle of take one, they lean down and go, the president has 10 minutes left. <laughs> and I go, what? And by the way, take one is not going well. It's kind of stiff. Like, it's not horrible, but it's just kind of stiff. And I know that if they loosened up, it would be better, right? So they go and they do the entire thing. And I'm like, in my head going, I only have 10 minutes left. I can't do another take. Um, I'm not even allowed to talk to the president. What do I do? So I start in my head. And a, a lot of times when you're doing it between two ferns, you're editing in your head of like, well, I can use this part of this. I can hook it together with this part. I can do this part. I can do this part. And so I'm going like, okay, the front half, by the way, the second half of it starts to be really good. They warm up but this is the second half of the first take. They warm up, they're ad-libbing a little, everything's funnier. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I don't use, but so many good jokes are in that first part. God, well, maybe I could, I could do Zach's half of it again after he leaves. You know, I'm just doing all of these calculations. The first take ends, the president turns right to me and says, well, how'd I do? And this guy has told me I'm not allowed to talk to him. <laughs> And I, but I also realize I have a, a failing video that we've all worked really hard on, right? So I, so I like stiff arm this guy and I go, Mr. President, to be honest, the second half was so good and so funny and you guys had loosened up. I would love to do the first half again with that kind of energy, but I'm told you don't have time to do it. And he turns to everyone and goes, let's do it again. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, and the guy, the guy next to me is like glaring daggers at me and he does it again. And the first half is awesome. And he gets to the part naturally where it got good the first time. And he turns to me and he goes, that was about where like it got good. Right. Wow. <laughs> like he just knew. Right. <laughs> and I go cut. All right, let's set up the thing. And I knew then that we had had a, a good video then, but yeah. Was, so we did one and a half takes. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Like, I guess that's what made him, uh, you know, that's how you become president. You're so aware of yeah. that kind of stuff, even if you're doing something that's not usual for you. 
But it was definitely one of the scarier, like when you, and doing the the Between Two Ferns movie was like that for me because, you know, you're dealing with 12, at least 15, I think we shot with at least 15 like big movie or music stars who are all, you know, some are very cool and some don't know what they're there to do and some have crazy demands and time constraints and stuff. So it's it's very much like being a director in that kind of situation, you're just you're there trying to get the best product available. And if you can tune out everything else in your mind and be like, I don't give a shit about feelings anymore. I don't give a shit about this person's publicist or the president's media advisor or whatever. I just like need to get my shot, you know, not at the expense of safety or anything like that. But if if you know something's not working, you need to get it. You just got to get tunnel vision when you're in there. The the Matthew McConaughey thing we were talking about before with the with the flood was like that where we had very little time to to film with Matthew McConaughey, and I just knew what we needed to get and and you got to be both prepared and then also on the day willing to to basically like shove aside anyone who's standing in your way of getting the right thing and just you know trying to get it. Yeah. Wow. That's that's an unbelievable story. <laughs> I loved it. Hey. Anything for a Billy Joel podcast. <laughs> I'm such a big he, fan of Billy Joel. I'll, I know, but I'll, I'll I think, give you uh, these stories. I think, I, I think we've mentioned him like five times this episode. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think yeah, our listeners will ratio. appreciate it a lot. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on and, and taking this time to spend with us and talk to us, not just My about pleasure. Billy Joel, but about everything. And you answered all our questions like the president, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, it's very similar. Like me being on your show is as big as, the president being on our show exactly (laughs) that's exactly where i was headed with i'm joking everyone who listening who doesn't know who i am no thank you so (laughs) much scott for coming on and uh i don't know i just i thank you so much i thank you for being a friend all these years and uh good luck with uh, your continued success in your comedy bang bang podcast and the other podcasts and your network and uh, congratulations on everything. Thank you. Yeah, people can uh, find everything at cbbworld.com. That's where all my podcasts are. Right. All right. Scott Ackerman on Billy Joel A to Z. So now you've heard what they thought of that song. Famous last words. This podcast ran too long. Stories, jokes, your hosts were full of silly anecdotes And so it goes Another show about Billy Joe